Good morning. Good to be with you guys. I'm Brian Agavino, the lead pastor here. Happy Sunday. Thanks for joining us as we continue on Mark today. And we're going to be in Mark chapter 4. If you have your Bibles and you want to follow along, I would love that. Actually, today's, uh, we're hitting three weird uh, parables, we'll say. And um, if you don't have your Bible, totally cool. If you go to the summitstl.info on your phones, there's a tab there called Sermon Notes. You can click on that, and it has our scripture and where I'll be this morning. So let me read our passage for us today. Jesus teaches three parables. We're going to be in chapter 4, verse 21. And he said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day. And the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. And he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which, when sown on the ground, is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet, it, yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. Let's pray. Awesome God, we come before you this morning and we ask what we know not, please teach us. What we have not, please give us. And what we are not, please make us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There was an interesting article that made its way onto the interwebs this week. Maybe you had an opportunity to see it. DJ makes fun of me for Yahoo being my source of information. It still is. I'm a child of the 90s, and so uh, it was on Yahoo, and I had an opportunity to read it. I wanted to share it with you. It's interesting, and I want you to pay attention as I talk a little bit about this and share this with you. What's going on in you? Like, what is the emotion or the response that you're feeling as, as I share a little bit about this article. So basically, the title of the article was Losing Their Religion, Why U.S. Churches Are on the Decline. And as the U.S., it, so it's this real interesting dat, data-driven article about what's going on in the U.S. And so the first paragraph said this. It said, churches are closing at rapid numbers in the U.S., Researchers say as congregations dwindle across the country and younger generations of American abandon Christianity altogether, the church is in decline. About 4,500 Protestant churches closed in 2019. 
the last year that data is available, with only about 3,000 new churches opening. And that's all according to LifeWay Research, which is a Christian organization. It's the first time the number of churches in the U.S. hasn't grown since LifeWay started studying the topic. So what's going on for you in this moment as you hear that? Curious. I'm guessing some of us probably have this defensive response to it, like, oh, I can explain why that's happening. You're overthinking it. There's real good reasons for why that's happening. Some of us probably are angry. We're curious about the person who wrote the article. Like, do they really know? And how, do they, how can they really say this? And, and there's something about us that's stirring up. Some of us might not care. Some of you may have tuned out when I turned the picture on. And you're like, I don't care. I'm at church today. I made it. I'm doing as good as I can. Some of us, and I think this actually is for maybe a lot of us, if we're really sincere about what's going on, it makes us nervous. It, it, it stirs a little bit of anxiety in us, and it taps that concern, that, that thing that goes on in all of us, no matter what, that taps into our strain of faith that says, what if this is it? What if Christianity is done? What if it's on the downturn? What if I'm believing something that isn't real? Well, this morning, I want to press into our anxieties. I want to press into what it is that you're worried about. I mean, what are you anxious about today? Are you anxious about the church? Are you anxious about culture? Maybe you're not there at all. Maybe you're just anxious about friendships or your marriage or your kids, your money, your job. What are you saying to God? Do you see what's going on here? Where are you? Oftentimes, as Christians, I probably have made the mistake from the stage of saying, hey, just stop being anxious. Just don't do it. Which does what? Makes us more anxious. Right? When you just say, don't do it, just stop. We talk a lot here at the summit about how the answer to any of our emotions and struggles or whatever's going on with us is never just stop it. Because just stopping it is another way of self-righteous application that doesn't solve anything that's going on in our heart. So this morning, my application to you is not, let's just stop being anxious. In fact, maybe our anxieties, the things that are concerning us, are a great way for us to press into a different way of understanding and doing life. I think that's what Jesus is doing in these parables. We talked about, he says at the very end, he only taught in parables, and he uses parables on purpose because he wants people to really dig into and process and wrestle with what this kingdom is that he's bringing into this world. It's not a normal thing that anyone has ever experienced or processed before. So he's talking in these cryptic ways and these stories to make us wrestle with, to dig deeper into what could really impact and change our lives. And I think what we'll see is our anxieties actually help show us 
where it is that we're not allowing the gospel to grow deep into our hearts and lives. And that God wouldn't just say to us, hey, just stop being anxious. He would actually invite us into his presence with our anxieties, with our lack of hope, and find that he wants to bear the fruit of joy in the midst of our relationship with him. The reality is the deeper and deeper we go into anxiety, the deeper and deeper we go into fear. And fear, although our culture loves the motivator of fear, our culture is addicted to the motivator of fear. God does not motivate out of fear. Love casts out all fear, Scripture tells us. And so he's inviting us into his presence. Jesus is, these are parables of warnings, but also parables of invitation to say, come into my presence and find the fruit of joy, not the fruit of fear. So what we'll discover this morning is there are two things we have to experience or understand or know about the kingdom of God, and then one practice to implement growing in that joy. So we're going to look at the two parables that really talk about he's describing what the kingdom is like, helping us understand the reality of the kingdom, and then this really beautiful invitation to how we can deeper experience the gospel in our lives. And what we'll discover this morning is these three things, that the kingdom is inevitable, it's slow, and it's deep. It's inevitable, it's slow, and it's deep. So let's dive in here. The first one I want to look at is actually the middle parable. And he said, The kingdom of God is if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in in the ear. But when the grain is ripe at once, he puts in the sickle because the harvest is come. This is an awesome parable. It really is, it teaches some pretty, it's, I think Jesus, I had someone ask me this week, do you think Jesus was funny? This guy who was not a believer, he is an atheist, he was, he was asked, do you think Jesus was funny? And I'm like, this is funny. This parable is funny. Because Jesus is like, here's what he's saying. He's like, listen, there's this guy, and he just, he goes to bed, and he sleeps good. And he likes his sleep, and he wakes up, and he lives his life, and he doesn't have a care in the world. And he lets the seed just grow, and it happens. Here's what I want, I want to ask you. What kind of sleeper are you? Are you, a, are you the hit-the-pillow-and-you're-out sleeper? Who's the hit-the-pillow? Okay, I am a hit-the-pillow-and-you're-out. Who's a, like, I need to do 15 things before I go to bed and it has to be the perfect environment and then maybe if I'm lucky, I'll fall asleep in an hour kind of person. Yeah, okay, thank you. So here's what, and now the real question for us is to ask, and when you're anxious, what happens to your sleep? So are you the kind of person that if you're anxious, you'll just stay up all night long? I'm the kind of person where it doesn't really matter what's going on in life, when I put my head on the pillow, I fall asleep. My wife says it is the spiritual gift that God has granted me. I will fall asleep right away. It does not matter what's going on. Aubrey has taken over 100 pictures, I think, 
of me just asleep, just somewhere. It doesn't matter. It could be on the couch. It could be at the kitchen table. I just fall asleep. It just happens. It's not, I don't have a problem. It's not narcolepsy or anything like that. I can just, if I'm tired, I can fall asleep. But if I'm anxious, I'll wake up an hour later. I'm the hour later wake up or and I'll be awake all night long just processing. And Jesus is telling this story about a guy who just sleeps. So the practical application for us this morning, here's what I'd like to ask you. Would you like to sleep good tonight? Jesus tells a parable here to help us understand how we can sleep good. He's saying there's something about the kingdom that if we let that kingdom grow in us, no matter what's going on in life, we'll sleep good. <laughs> That's really what he's saying. How is he saying that? He, he, he's pointing out, he says, this one great phrase in verse 27. He says, he sleeps and rises night and day, and the, sprouts, and the seed sprouts and grows, and he knows not how. That, that what this person, this farmer, what he's doing is when he sows this seed, when he looks at the life, when he looks at all that's going on, he, he goes to bed and he wakes up and he just knows, even if I don't see anything, it doesn't matter because that seed will grow. And the point of this parable, what Jesus is saying is he's trying to teach here. He's saying, listen, the kingdom will bear fruit. You don't need to worry about what's happening in this life. You can read a million articles on Yahoo about how the church is going to come to an end. Guess what? The kingdom of God is inevitable. Those who are in and a part of the kingdom of God can sleep good at night knowing no matter what's going on in this world, God's kingdom will come forth. It will bear fruit. It will grow and the harvest will come. You know, we need and expect big things to make our life go well. So we need uh, to get the job, we need to get pregnant, we need to get married, we need to get the good grade, we need our house to sell. But what Jesus wants us to see is the reality of the first song we sang this morning, that, that God is always working. There's no reason for us to believe that he isn't, that, that the inevitability of the kingdom of God coming is a, is a very real reality. And here's the beauty that you and I have. We're 2,000 years in. What has stopped the advance of the kingdom of God in the last 2,000 years? You're here. It made it all the way from a bunch of scared disciples in a tiny room to the corner of O'Fallon. And what Jesus is saying, so again, he's talking about our anxieties. He's saying, look, when you press into my kingdom, there's something that's going to help you as, as you understand what I'm doing and what, you, what I want you to understand about my kingdom is that no matter what happens in this world, it's inevitable. So the application is sleep. Don't worry. Why not worry? Because my kingdom, the beauty of what my kingdom is, is coming. We're going to talk a little bit more about what that means and help us flesh that out in a second. So maybe we could bring our anxieties to God and ask him to show us how our anxieties are keeping us from believing, trusting, not just knowing, but experiencing that his kingdom is inevitable. So first we need to experience that his kingdom is inevitable. The second thing we need to understand about that is its pace. It's pace. 
So the second thing we see, the third parable he tells, is the parable of the mustard seed, which means that the kingdom is slow. And he said, well, can we compare the kingdom of God, or what parable shall we use for it? It's like a grain of mustard seed, which, when sown on the ground, is the smallest of all seeds on the earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. The kingdom of God will bear fruit and it will bear fruit slowly. Let me say that one more time. The kingdom of God will bear fruit and it will bear fruit slowly. Now what's the problem with that sentence I just said. We want to hear, the kingdom of God will bear fruit, but it will bear fruit slowly. That for us, in our crazy, fast, rapid-paced, addicted-to-speed world, we think things that are slow are bad. We talked about this two, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, and I'm bringing it back. Because here we need to hear it again. I told you that I have an addiction, not to the drug, speed. And that, that's a problem with all of our world. And here Jesus is telling this parable. He's saying, listen, I need you to know something about my kingdom. It's going to grow from the tiniest of seeds. The mustard seed is the smallest seed. If I were to throw a bunch of seeds out into the congregation, you wouldn't even be able to see them. They're that small. And he's saying, it's going to grow from this to the most beautiful and grandiose tree you could ever imagine, but it's going to be slow. See, but. We say but. Why? Because we like things to be fast. We, we like things to go quickly. We don't want things to be slow. But we have a phrase for this, don't we? We call it get-rich-quick schemes. Schemes because we know what in this life comes quickly. You guys come up to me after church and you tell me, like, what good, healthy, profitable thing happens quickly? Jesus here is teaching us just a principle of life. He's saying, listen, here's what I need you to know, that because my kingdom is so glorious and so beautiful and so taste, tasty, it's, it's going to come slowly. That's not a bad thing, because slow things bring great, beautiful things. Maybe a, if you can give me a little bit here on this metaphor, it really is the difference, right, between a microwave and a crock pot. That we want Jesus' kingdom to come in our lives like a microwave. You know, Jesus just put me in and get me out hot in 20 seconds, right? But Jesus is saying that's not how it works. That, that the way I'm going to change is how God has worked all in and throughout history is I'm going to bring change thoroughly thoroughly because the way thorough change comes is slowly like in a crock pot so which is better a roast in a microwave or a roast from a crock pot I mean who of you have had a tv dinner roast tv dinner lean cuisine tv dinners right you're laughing because you're like you almost want to spit when I say it right you're like oh it's chewy and hard and and but who wouldn't love right now a roast that had been sitting in a crock pot for 12 hours with carrots and potatoes and gravy and you're thinking, yeah, if I put those two in front of you, which would you choose? 
Microwave, help me here. I need you to answer this because I'm going to then Jesus juke you and so you're wrong. You want the microwave or the crock pot? So why when it comes to God's kingdom and he says it's slow, do we say, God, I want the microwave? The application of this parable is to bring our anxieties into the presence of God. And what I love about what I would like to argue Jesus is saying is he's saying, you know what happens when you trust the mustard seed is it's, it kind of ties in with the other one, with the, this farmer who gets asleep. You can just rest and stop striving. That, that's what he's saying. Like I, I want to bring you into this path and this pattern of stopping to work so hard to earn something. We, we get in this we, me, get Sometimes with God, with what's going on in our lives, we feel like we need to ride shotgun for him. And, and we need to get in there and be like, hey, God, I'm just not sure you know what's really going on here. So let me get in front and I'll kind of guide the way for you. And what Jesus is inviting us to here is he's saying, look, my kingdom is so different. And I'm inviting you into something so beautiful and so savory and so tasty that it's, it's going to really transform your heart and life. But here's the thing that you need to know about that. The first thing is, have the confidence to know that my kingdom will come, that it will bear fruit. That's what the farmer knows. He doesn't know how. So, so we read an article on Yahoo and we're like, okay, churches are in decline. Does that mean God's kingdom isn't coming? No. Is God's kingdom going to come? Yes. Do I know how? No, I don't know. But can I have the confidence to believe that it will? Absolutely. And, and then I, I, I build that or com combine that with this idea that, and it's going to come slowly. That, that Jesus, the way that he's working in this world and in this life, is this consistent, faithful, trustworthy way to bring his kingdom. And so the question really then becomes for us, how does that kingdom then become an experience of ours? Like, how do, how do we really let the seed of the kingdom grow and bear fruit in our lives? Well, that's where we go back to the first parable. It's, it's pretty cryptic, actually. Starts with a lamp, and then Jesus talks about something being given and being taken away. Let me read for it one more time. The, the point we're looking at here is how the kingdom is deep. And he said to them, a lamp is a lamp brought in and put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand. For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. So two things here Jesus is talking about. The first thing he's saying is that the beauty of the kingdom is not something that you hide. So when you have a tasty roast that's been sitting in the crock pot for 12 hours with carrots and potatoes, you don't just then hide it. It's something that you let the rest of the world taste and enjoy. 
So that's the picture here. The world needs to see the beauty and the power of the kingdom of Jesus. And so then he says, how are we going to then reveal the brightness of the kingdom? And he says, the measure you give will be the measure you get. Basically, what Jesus is telling us here is he's telling his followers that they need to pay attention so that they, we, can receive the benefits of the kingdom. Last week, we talked about the parables are simple in some way, but they're meant to really push us into and challenge us to go deeper and deeper into God's kingdom. And we will, when we do, we'll get more from it. It's, it's actually this is a really important principle for us to understand about Christianity. The, it, I want to add a caveat here. What Jesus is not saying is he's not trying to say, if you know more, you're better. What he's saying is, we need to allow, we need to take the kingdom into our hearts and lives. It's, it's an ongoing process of pr- letting the gospel grow and bear fruit in us. And if we're not really thinking about and applying the gospel to our lives in a myriad of different ways, then, then we're, what the reality of the kingdom is going to be strange to us. It's not going to be something that's real to us. We're, we're going to look just like everyone else in the world in some ways. He, he's tell, telling us to take in, to, to allow the gospel to grow in us. If we look just like everyone else in the world, then maybe we've stopped digging into the depths of the kingdom. Are we seeing a generosity starting to grow in us? Are we seeing a love starting to grow in us, a humility starting to grow in us? Those, Those things happen when we take our anxieties. See, I'm actually inviting us to the opposite of what we think. Instead of taking our anxieties and trying to stop being anxious, what Jesus is saying is, take your anxieties and pour the water of the gospel over your anxieties so that I can really transform and change your life. I have this friend who, no matter what I say to them or explain to them, or I'm telling them stories about what's going in my life, they always will then say exactly the opposite thing that I want them to say to me. So instead of saying, you know, like, I'll tell them this story about, hey, yeah, this person was mad at me, and, you know, can you believe it, blah, 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 and I want them to say, you're right, Brian. And they always will then be like, well, have you thought about it this way? I... I, I don't like that. Are you guys with me? Like, I, we have these, like, just, just agree with me. Just tell me. And I think this is exactly what Jesus is saying. He's thinking, he's saying, listen, if you think, when you come to me and you're like, don't I have a right to be anxious about this, Jesus? He's going to say, well, have you thought about it this way? Have you thought about my goodness and how it might bring comfort in this area? Have you thought about my kingdom and how it's inevitable? Have you thought about... And, and, and what, what's beautiful to me about Jesus is he's not going to beat us up or, or say, you're not good enough or you're not worthy enough. There's this invitation to, I want to slowly bring transformation and growth in you. I think 
the world needs us to be people like that. Like when the world says we need to be more against this, we would be people who would say, oh, maybe we need to be more loving. When the, when the world comes to us and challenges us with things and they expect us to lash out, we instead serve. When the, church, when the world expects us to write them off, that they would find us being generous with our time, The, the application here in this parable is, in order for the kingdom to really become a reality in our lives, we need to press in to Jesus. And he, he makes this really profound statement. He's saying, with the measure you use, so with the measure you press in, with the measure you process the kingdom, with the measure you understand the gospel, with the measure you're willing to take all that you are and your anxieties and things you think and press them in to Jesus more will be added to you. He's saying, if you'll come to me, if you'll bring that stuff to me, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to grow those things in you. You can't change by willpower. Your anxieties aren't just going to go away by stopping thinking about them. <laughs> They're not even going to change just by learning biblical principles and trying to carry them out. We can only change permanently when we take the gospel, the sacrificial love of Jesus and his work on the cross and his death and his resurrection deep into our hearts and we, let, we feed on that, that crock pot that's been brewing, that, that, that's what we're feeding on, that we're eating that and tasting the savory work of Jesus in our lives. We, we talk, our mission at the summit here is believing the gospel, and we use this phrase where we say, the rhythm of someone who's believing the gospel is someone who's practicing repentance and faith. That, that the way to take the gospel, to take what Jesus wants to change and transform into our lives is to be people who are practicing repentance and faith. And the, and the warning to us this morning is, if we're not learning and becoming and transforming into the people that God wants us to become, it's most likely because we're not taking in the gospel, and that means we're not practicing repentance and faith. And Jesus has a warning for us in this parable, and he says, for the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. He's saying, don't, don't be somebody who doesn't allow the gospel into your heart and soul. So practically, are you anxious because you're unhappy? In the kingdom, the way to be really happy is not even to try to be happy, but to make others happy. Are you anxious because of money? <laughs> In the kingdom of God, the way to get rich is to be generous. Are you anxious about the church and its influence in the world? The way to influence the world and culture is not to seek influence, but to serve. Are you anxious about who you are? Well, the way to find yourself, to really know you are distinct and unique and valuable. The way to find yourself is not ever to try and find yourself, 
but to lose yourself in service to God and others. The way to be free in life is to go before God and say, command me. And Jesus is saying, come to me and let me press that into your hearts and souls and lives. And as I do, the fruit that will be produced in you is joy. So let me conclude by asking you, what are you anxious about today? Are you anxious about the church? Are you anxious about your marriage, about friendships, about kids, about finances, about your job? What is it that you're anxious about? Well, the application of our message today is counterintuitive. It is so much easier to worry and to strive and to settle. But what makes the gospel so unique is that when we take those to Jesus, when we come before Jesus and come in a way where we're saying, can you press your gospel, the hope, the love, the joy, the grace that you have so much given so much for me, when, if I, you'll allow him to do that through this act of repentance and faith, that's when we'll start to see, to see the seed of the gospel begin to grow. And when we have ears to hear the king and eyes to see the king differently, the ups and downs of life will come and go. The world may see church buildings come and go. But Jesus will give us a whole new way to see life. You see, 2,000 years ago, <laughs> the world thought that Christianity was dead. They nailed Jesus to the cross. But the light is only brighter. The harvest is only larger. And the tree is only taller. So let us sleep. Let us relax. And let us reflect as we follow our King so that we might discover the richness of his kingdom as it grows in us and in our church. Let's pray. Almighty God, we thank you for parables. We thank you that Jesus taught in a way to challenge us, to cause us to reflect, to remind us some of the beauties of what life is. We thank you that you created us to be people uh, who would take the complexities of what you teach in your word and allow them to sink and resonate. And so, Lord, this morning we ask that that would happen in us, that, that you would bring in us a rest and a reflection. Show us where there are areas in our lives where we're not experiencing the power of the gospel. And, and would you give us the strength, the courage, through the power of your spirit to really take the time to know that it will be slow your work in us, and, and to be patient and trust you, and, and to see the, the wonder and majesty of your transformation in us. Father, give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and we may become more like Jesus in all that we do and say. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.